Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. On this show, we discuss and bring attention to a wide range of safety and security products and solutions that are available to businesses and individuals to keep them safe in both the digital world and the physical world. I'm your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan. As a self-employed information technology consultant since 1995 and as a martial artist for the past almost 25 years, I bring decades of both online and offline safety and security experience to my role as the host of this show. To learn more about me, you can always visit my personal website at PeteCanavan.com. So thanks so much to our listeners for being here. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and uh, check out our YouTube channel at safetytalkvideos.com. We appreciate you helping us spread the word, spread the love about Safety Talk and our guests and their incredible products and solutions that they provide to keep you safer and more secure. Today's guest is one of New York's finest. Speaking of keeping people safe and secure, he's done it personally. He's a sergeant and 19-year veteran of the New York City Police Department. Uh, He's also a managing director for Great Point Strategies, which is a public safety training and consulting firm. He's also the Northeast representative for a company called Pursuit Alerts. I want to get his information uh, on what that's all about, but it's a real-time public safety alerting technology, so it sounds very interesting. He holds a bachelor's degree in criminology, a master's degree in public administration. He's also a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He currently serves in the NYPD's Transit Bureau, where he's responsible for strategic communications as well as policy recommendations. So with that, it is my pleasure to welcome Paul Gratton to Safety Talk. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Pete. It's a a pleasure to be here and and, and join your show. I'm a big fan of of the show and also find myself listening on the the train ride to work. Oh, Um, nice. And thank you to you and every one of your listeners for what they do to make the world a little bit safer for people like me and my family. Uh, I think it's increasingly important that that we have a community of, uh, of folks that are that are invested in their own personal safety and personal protection. And, and frankly, that's what, what makes us all safer in, in general. So I, I greatly appreciate that and appreciate being here. Thank you much. It, it is, you know, each individual's individual responsibility. So, you know, we have to, you know, take ownership of that. And uh, in conjunction with different strategies and solutions and tools and technologies that are available to us, you know, that's, that's what I really try to do with the show is to educate people about some of the new stuff that's out there. I love going to, to the different security shows and, you know, learning about new technologies and then bringing companies on to, to talk about what they have to do. So definitely excited to have you on as well. Share some of your insights with our listeners into, uh, you know, what you've learned uh, with regard to personal safety and public transportation. Uh, you know, I know your sort of expertise has been in urban rail, uh, you know, specifically protecting uh, the great subway system of the city of New York and uh, our, you know, listeners are sure to, you know, enjoy hearing some tips for hazards about that, as well as on the roadways and, you know, mass transit, uh, because there's bad actors out there, right? And, and you know, you have experience with, with things, even, you know, police pursuits. But a lot of us, we spend time traveling, right? Whether we're going to and from our homes or our jobs or the gym or the supermarket. And, uh, you know, wherever it happens to, to be that we're traveling to, there are always things that we can do to make ourselves safer, and, uh, you know, sometimes we spend more time than we like in the car, right? You're stuck in traffic or you're out and, you know, maybe a detour takes you out of the, the norm. You know, now maybe you're having to go down streets you're not familiar with. So there's all these things that, you know, really make it critical uh, for us to understand what we can do, uh, you know, to make that experience safer for everybody. Because, uh, you know, it's, there are trying times out there. You know, we're, we're you know, in 2020, it's been a, a year like none other. Uh, and millions of people, they, they still continue to rely on public transportation, mass transportation. So that, uh, that insight information that uh, you'll share with our listeners, I'm sure is, they're going to find is, is very, very valuable. Yeah, you, you know, you're absolutely right, Pete. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny when you think about it, but um, it, it's also a little depressing when you think about it, right? How much time we spend going from point A to point B, getting to where we want to be, whether it's getting back home or, or getting to someplace that we want to visit or getting to work, right? Um, but that's why it's critically important that we, that we, that's why we have transportation security as its own, as its own sector, right? Uh, it's, it's, um, it's absolutely critical that we talk about that separate and apart from all the other um, safety, 
safety matters in our, in our lives and in our families' lives. Um, I think, you know, having a, a dedicated mindset towards your own personal safety and security and crime as it relates to transit and public transportation is, is increasingly important, um, uh, particularly in, like you said, a, a year like no other. Um, this, this year certainly changed uh, a lot of people's perspectives on a lot of things, and it, and it changed the transportation environment as well in many different ways. Yeah, I mean, safety and security has never been more top of mind. Uh, th- you know, it's gotten increasingly chaotic as things have gone on. You know, we have uh, lots of challenges that we have to face. And, and so it's, uh, it's something that we all, I think, as a whole, are, are starting to pay a little bit more attention to. I know I've been getting, you know, more inquiries from people about, you know, how to increase their safety and security. I'm sure you and just about everybody else in, in this industry has seen that as well. So, you've got almost, you know, 20 years in law enforcement and you've experienced, you know, firsthand changes in, in crime trends. Right. And so, I mean, this, this has been a trend that probably, you know, made the, the really a, a spike here uh, in New York particularly. And, you know, I think we all know why, but <laughs> we won't go down that road. Um, but my first question is a, is a two-part one. And that is, you know, what has been your experience over those 20 years in terms of what you've seen in, in the, in terms of the, the crime trend and then how does that compare to what it's like today? Yeah, well, you know, to start um, to answer that, you know, I'll just say that thankfully we're a lot better off in general uh, than we were, say, two decades ago or more even. Um, now, I, I've got nearly 20 years uh, with, with my agency, um, but it's important to, to also remember when I came on, a lot of the gains uh, – had already been accomplished. There was good momentum already moving forward in terms of, of crime trends um, in, in many major urban areas, and particularly New York, New York City, uh, and, and what we would call tri-state region, so um, the metropolitan area. So, um, you know, I, I, I'll also add, though, that um, there's definitely reason to believe that, um, or, or reason for some, some concern now and over the last few years. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, different policy changes. We've seen a lot of um, uh, trends that re- related to um, criminal justice reform, uh, some good and some that have negatively impacted um, our ability to, to curb crime and to, pre- you know, to prevent disorder. So um, overall, I think the, the trends have been largely good. We've made a lot of gains, but we're at a, we're at a critical point right now where we don't want to uh, give up on any of those gains either. And uh, Absolutely. I think, it's, you know, we it, don't want to go backwards. And it seems, unfortunately, and, and you, you know, you see New York in the news, it has gone backwards in a lot of ways. And that's got to be really, you know, disturbing to you, right? Because you, you, you're out there, you're working, you're on the front lines, you have people that you know, and they're all out there trying to keep the citizens safer and, and more secure. But yet at the same time, there are things that are being done. We'll talk about policy a little later that – really have, have hampered that. And, and it's crazy to see it occur. Uh, and, and as I said, it's, it's disturbing, especially to someone that is on the front lines and they have to deal with it day in and day out. It is. And it's, it's disappointing at times as well. Um, and, and that's why part of, part of my job, uh, especially working in, in communications now and, um, and in, in media, part of my job is, is, thinking of, of ways to basically remind some of the younger folks out there uh, that it, it wasn't always that way, right? I'm, I'm older, I'm 41 years old, um, and, and a lot has happened in those 40 years. Uh, people that have been born after me, um, many of them have, have never seen um, New York or other cities um, where, during times of, of, of severe trouble, right? In the late 80s and early 90s in particular, uh, the crack ec- epidemic. Uh, we can go on and on. That the, the the history of crime and disorder in America. I was living in North Jersey at that time because I graduated high school in '88, or uh, yeah, in '88. So I was, you know, that was, and I literally was a stone's throw from New York City. I grew up in Edgewater and East Rutherford, and then uh, you know where my you know my mom is now uh, is up at all in that area. So it was like, uh, you want to go in a city? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there was Absolutely. a time when, when we did, you know, but then there was a time when we didn't want to go in or definitely not after a certain time of day or night. 
Certainly. And, and look at the gains that, that, that have been made in places like Camden, New Jersey and Jersey City and, and Newark. Um, mm-hmm. So success stories in many ways. Um, so it, we certainly don't want to lose sight of that. And, and just generally, generationally, we, we can lose sight of that. It's a natural thing, right? Uh, my children now, my three children are born in a, have, were born in a relatively safe environment and they can't reflect back on when times were bad. So we tend to change the way we make investments. We change our opinions on things like reforms when, when times are good. So I think we certainly you know, owe, owe it to ourselves to be a little careful with that. Undoubtedly, it's uh, and it's our duty to educate them too, and say, "Hey, look, this is you know, it does it wasn't always like this, you know. We, that's why you know it's important to to know history so we don't go back and and repeat it, right? Perspective is critical. It's uh, you know, look to nine eleven as an example too. We're we're going on the twenty year anniversary Unreal. of nine eleven terrorist attacks, and and we're quick, quickly approaching uh, a time period now where we will have. Uh, children that that um you know come onto the police force that were not even born uh, when nine eleven occurred. So we just have to we have to constantly keep keep that perspective. We do have to educate future generations, um, and we have to remember some of these critical events in history and remember them as they occurred, so that we can make sure that they don't happen again. Yeah. And, and you know, currently we, we're seeing it on the news. I mean, that's why, you know, we're talking about, you know, people concerned for their safety and security right now. You can't ignore the disorder, the unrest, the riots the, and everything else that's going along with it all over the country. And, you know, so although I think that we are, you know, as you say, we're, we're, for the most part, we're, we're better off today than we were. In some respects, there are some other now threats that most people didn't even think were were possible. I mean, I wrote about, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, I wrote a guide on how to survive a riot. You know, just some basic tips. You know, it wasn't a big long book or anything. It was more like a pamphlet, but it had a lot of good information for people that were, were you know, concerned about that sort of thing because it could happen occasionally. But then it started yeah. happening this year way more than just occasionally. Sure, and, it became uh, very real. Yeah. It became very real for a lot of people that Absolutely. I think it, you know, up to that point kind of just brushed it off and dismissed it. So, Without you know getting political, uh, let's let's talk about a little bit about some of what the statistics are are saying. Sure, because right? yeah. like the FBI has their stats; they come out with all the time. Absolutely, yeah. And just a little bit of perspective is is a good thing, right? And in 2019, we saw um, across the United States, uh, the FBI's UCR reported that that most major crime categories were down uh, nationwide. Um, but that's why it's a critical to get a little more granular, right? We can go to many towns and cities in, in this country that, that did not experience that as a whole. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's very important to, to, to keep that perspective in mind. We are losing some of those gains. Uh, we're losing them largely in urban areas, but we're seeing uh, um, the suburbs affected as well. So when we look at the, the national scale, we can, we, can, we can still be a bit fooled. Uh, when when they when, when it tells us that that crime is down, but overall, I think that is good to have a national picture that that looks like that uh, right now. If um, most you know part one or index crimes are down, I, I think it's that's a good thing. That's ground that we don't want to lose. Um, but it's it's certainly not um, not what's what's happening in some urban areas right now. And I think what's strange is that like this year is going to throw a lot of statistics off, not just crime statistics, but all statistics are going to get way thrown off this year because of the the strange, you know, circumstances that's, that have plagued us since the beginning of the year, you know, basically since February and March. And so, you know, crime stats are probably going to look like they're way down because nobody was going out. The, the bad guys weren't going out. The good guys weren't going out. So it was like right. nobody out there to rob or to steal from or to carjack or anything like that. So all of those <laughs> statistics are going to be – it's going to be an anomaly when you're looking at the graph, right? You can see maybe a trend going up, maybe a trend going down, and you're going to see it fall off the table. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And now we did see some some things increase as a result of a pandemic. The, right. the Riots pandemic, and arson. Sure. The pandemic can be inviting for, for certain things. For example, we, we saw ridership in, in, in our subway system 
plummet and ridership across um, most urban transportation sh- systems uh, declined, right? Everybody's, you know, uh, quarantined, they're out of work, they're, they're locked up in their homes, right? Um, that can be an inviting environment. We saw burglaries rise, for example, because there was, there were storefronts and what have you that mm-hmm. are, that are closed down and nobody's really kind of, you know, minding the store quite literally. Right. So, um, but then it, it did decline in many areas, right? We saw our assaults and our robberies and our larcenies go down in, uh, ste- steeply because there was nobody riding the system. So yeah, this, this is, Right. We're, put an asterisk next next to this uh, to this year for sure, and 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 frankly next year as well. Right. It's we're we're going to see a uh, you know we're in a recalibration right now, and we're not going to be able to compare these statistics to, to to much of anything when it's all said and done. Right. You're right. The they have to an asterisk there. You know, when yeah. we look oh, back yeah. on it, it's going to be like, wow, that was crazy because you're going to see little spikes in certain things and then everything else you're going to see, you know, downward, you know, sharp downward trends. And, you know, it's just something that, you know, we're, de- we're all dealing with now. Yeah. Happened for a while. Everybody's hoping to just get it behind us. You know, I think, it, you know, I, I think just about everybody listening is thinking, just get 2020 over with, right? <laughs> Let's just yeah. get, get it. Just please, nothing else, right? <laughs> but yep. uh, we've said that before and then boom, and something else. Absolutely. Hits. That's why it's it's important to to keep the goals in mind, right? Because they they don't really change, right? We want to be safe, and we want to get safer, and we want to see less crime in our in our neighborhoods, our communities. So that goal remains the same, thankfully. Um, so we could be equally committed to that, despite the other variables that change and the other noise and, right. and political noise that throw it throw us off from that. Um, you know, we we're, we're focused on on the on the prize, and that's. That's our own personal safety and safety for our families. Right. And that's what everybody, you know, everybody wants, you know. So you're, a lot of your work has, has been done in, uh, you know, transit policing. And so I want to drill down a little bit more into that in, in terms of the public transportation. And what, what's, what would you tell people? I mean, a lot of people ride, you know, public transportation, whether it's buses or, you know, subways, et cetera. Uh, what would you say is, is kind of unique to that environment and to how you're, you're dealing with that and why it's important for people to sort of maybe do certain things specifically when they're, you know, uh, you know taking public transportation uh, and why we need to kind of take a look at that and reflect back on it? Yeah, it, it is a unique environment, whether it's the, you know, and my world is largely uh, the rails. Um, and then we, we have a, in, in, in my city, like so many other cities and, and towns across the country, have a, um, uh, a substantial bus system as well, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a unique environment for a few reasons, not the least of which is you're, you're virtually captive, right? You're, you're, in this, you're on this bus or you're inside this, this train or light rail or a commuter rail, and you are, you're in between stops, you're squeezed in with strangers, you're sitting scrunched in between uh, two people you don't know. And um, there, there's an element of, you know, a raised level of fear about being in this unfamiliar environment as, as much as, as, as maybe you, t- you use it every day. This environment where you can't go anywhere, it's much more difficult to get help. You're in between two different uh, subway stops or out in the middle of nowhere on a commuter rail train um, in, in Jersey or Long Island or in California and Sacramento, right? And, and getting from point A to point B. Um, it, it's very, very, uh, you know, it weighs heavily on people's minds. You know, there, there's a reason that it's uh, the, the laws pertaining to um, you know, FAA regulations and federal laws pertaining to aviation transportation are so serious and significant, and it really is rooted in how um, how dangerous of an environment it is. Right, you're thirty thousand feet above the above the ground, and there's only maybe two people on board this 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 plane that can that, that are qualified to even control it. Right, and so we don't want anything to happen to it. And it, and the passengers sitting in the passenger seats are very fearful of, of what could happen. And that same thing plays out to a degree on buses and trains. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that, that, heightened, um, that heightened fear in the transportation environment. 
um, more so than in say an, an automobile where we we tend to feel pretty pretty safe and secure you know it's our own our own rather comfortable environment i think because you know we're in control like I, I i enjoy driving i drive a lot you're in control you drive you go as fast as you can slow as fast as you want slow as you want yep. the route you want to go uh, you know, you want to pull over and stop, you want to get something to eat, go to the bathroom, whatever you got to do, right? You're in kind of control of that. When we're dealing with a mass transit situation, whatever it happens to be, it could be, you know, it could be plane, could be train, could be bus, whatever. You're at the mercy of the schedule. You're at the mercy of the person who's, you know, in control of that, that, uh, you know, piece of transportation, whatever it is, you know, you're not going to know how to drive that train if something happens to the conductor, right? You're not going to know how to yeah. actually drive that bus if something happens to the bus driver, you know, when was the last time you drove something that long, right? Or, yep. or try to navigate city streets with it for that matter. I don't know how they do it. Right. But the, it's a, it's something that, yeah, we have to have that heightened sense of awareness about, all right, well, what, you know, what would happen if, you know, if the bus driver had a heart attack, you know, and we started to veer off course into oncoming traffic. Or what happens if something happened to the train and there was a derailment? What would I do? It's it's the it's exactly as you described. These things weigh in the back of people's minds um, enough so that it it makes us uh, skittish in these environments, right? It makes us a little bit nervous. You know, the 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 good part of this is it can heighten our awareness a little bit. I mean, there's a, there's a danger too in being hypervigilant. It's not really something I can ask of you. It takes too much of our time, energy, and focus to do that all the time. Right. We, we, we become hypervigilant when we get other cues and we get keyed up on, on something um, and get a little bit more, a little bit more defensive. We can be, be on, on higher alert, but we certainly can't maintain that status all the time. But transportation environment kind of pushes us in that direction for sure. And the other, the other common denominator here in terms of um, the uniqueness of the environment is the crowds. Uh, everybody's uh, really can be um, depending on, on where you are and where you're going can really be packed in there. And yeah, it makes say it, port authority, for example. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. If you've ever been there, you know, um, you know, for certain um, exactly how, how kind of hairy it can be. And that raises our, our, our apprehension as well. It makes us feel vulnerable and that's important. Um, that, so what would you can, say to somebody, Paul, that says, you know what, I, I, I understand the value of public transportation. You know, I don't you know, have to worry about driving my car into the city. I can take a train. I can take a, you know, but, but I, I don't want to do it because, you know, whether I'm afraid of, of getting sick from COVID or I'm afraid of, you know, being robbed on the subway or having something happen to me, or, you know, maybe I'm not familiar and I'm afraid I might get lost and get off at the lost stop at the, the wrong stop. What would you say to somebody to kind of bring that, try to bring that, that level of apprehension that they may have towards it down a bit? Right. Well, so the good news, right? Um, the good news is that uh, serious crimes in public transportation, um, they, they have trended down for a long time. The, uh, the environment is um, pound for pound relatively safe. I mean, I'm speaking very generally, right? Because mm-hmm. things vary by city by city and sure. how much um, each, each city and transportation jurisdiction has invested in their, in, in their, in their safety, right? So there's a lot of variables here, but um, overwhelmingly, it still is relatively safe to take a public bus or a public train in most areas. Um, so, so that's the good news. I mean, in New York City, for example, uh, when we talk about major crimes, we talk about felony assaults, grand larcenies, robberies, uh, rapes, murders. Um, we only see um, a handful of these crimes a day. Um, and prior to, to, the, to the pandemic, uh, roughly 6 million daily riders, you know. So your chances, and, and it's a literal handful. We're, there's an average of six or, six or seven crimes, six or seven crimes a day. Um, uh, of that nature on our on our system. So at a six that, million, that's very right. Very small so, percentage. Right. So yeah. your your chances, and that's not to suggest that we don't have lower level uh, crimes occurring and and other elements of disorder, but well, like but, a pickpocket or something like that. Right. I mean, you know, by and large, uh, your your chances of becoming a victim of a major crime of a felony theft or a, or a robbery or a felony assault were were quite literally one in a million on any given day. So um, you know, the, the systems are fairly safe, um, but this is a public environment. So, you know, it, it needs to be treated like any other public environment. And there's good argument for it to be treated even, even more seriously, 
for those reasons that I just mentioned, right. for that, that captive vulnerability uh, that, 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 that we all experience when we're, we're, we're on a bus or on a public train. Now, with people, you know, there are, there are these, these groups that think it's a good idea to have less police, that there's a, it's a good idea to have less money for them and to, you know, take funding away and to, you know, sort of, no pun intended, handcuff the cops, right, and not let them do their jobs. So if there are less numbers of law enforcement out there. And we've seen in the news, you know, record numbers of police officers all over the country are retiring or put in for retirement because they're, they're sick of not getting the support they need, which then the criminals say, oh, great, you're taking how many cops off the streets? And there's only going to be, you know, whatever the number happens to be, it could be empowering to them, which then, you know, of course, forces us to need to become more vigilant with that sort of knowledge in the back of our mind without getting overly paranoid, but just being you know, more situation, situationally aware. And it's a, and I, I don't know, again, it's, it's too early to tell at this point in time, but I'm wondering how we're going to see this play out looking back at how that's going to affect things. And is this going to be a long-term change? Is it a short-term, you know, bad idea blip? Uh, I, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on that. Sure. Yeah. The, the, um, it's in, in that in that regard. It's it's a bit of a dangerous time for us, and it's um, it hopefully it doesn't translate into literal danger. You know, I think it's probably the greatest um, downside to some of these reforms and the recent political rhetoric and this this drumbeat of defund the police or substantial ref- criminal justice reforms. Uh, the greatest downside is is just what you touched upon. It it is that that type of rhetoric empowers criminals even more than any change that may have occurred, any policy change may have occurred. The second piece of this is that changes like this, um, systematic changes, don't really demonstrate results until far down the road, right. months, a year. And sometimes even many years down the road, we'll be seeing the effects of, of changes, um, ill-conceived changes and changes where, where professionals in criminal justice were not really consulted, um, where they, we'll see how they finally play out long after certain politicians have come and gone. Right, with um, these knee-jerk reactions. I mean, you know, to, to placate a certain segment of the of the, you know, the people that are making a bunch of noise at the moment uh, is, is not a good thing. And, you know, we can kind of read between the lines of what we're talking about here, but it's like you said, it, it's going to be a while before we can even understand what and, and see what those ramifications of the decisions that were made and are being made uh, are going to have. And, and I, I sincerely hope that they are all very short term, you know, that we you go back to the days of, you know, when, you know, Rudy Giuliani was, you know, in charge and, you know, crime took a huge drop uh, because of the policies and, and the things that he did, as opposed to the current administration in this charge, which is, it's a disaster, you know, and people are yeah. leaving the city uh, and not just New York, you know, they're leaving other cities that have similar radical policies that endanger the public. You know, we're talking in general here, not necessarily public transportation, of course, but it's a, it's all, sort of wrapped together because it's like, where do I want to go where I feel safe? Right. I don't think too many people want to move to Chicago, for example. Right. I mean, I think I heard today someone gets shot in Chicago every two hours, every two hours, every day, somebody gets shot in Chicago. It's like, what? It's insane when you think about it. And that stuff's got to stop. It's got to be addressed and it's got to be talked about. And a lot of people don't want to talk about it or they don't, they just ignore it and and don't, you know, it's "Ah, it's not happening. Which surprises me because, you know, for, for any, whoever it is, any government leader, any community, whoever it may be, um, I, 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 I cannot wrap my mind around why you would want your uh, city or your town to be known for, for crime. I mean, public safety has to be an, a number one investment for any community. It's the number one job have, of the federal government, right? Is to ensure the safety absolutely, and security of its citizens. Absolutely, right. I mean, right. I, you know, government exists to, 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 
to, to maintain a level of order so that we can, we can move on with our, with our lives with a relative, um, uh, with some relative safety, right? So um, it, it's really the, the basis for all other things. Um, so how, how some, somebody wouldn't invest in, in, in public safety in their jurisdiction is beyond me, uh, whether it's, it's literal investment or it's pol- you know, policy um, moving forward or, or whatever the case may be. So, um, but it gets back to what we, what we spoke about a little bit earlier, and, and that is, are we forgetting how good things were? I mean, you know, are we forgetting how, how bad they were, I should say, really, how good they've become? Mm-hmm. Um, once, we, once we lose sight of that, it makes it all too easy to suggest that we're in, in need of some type of a, uh, of a change, that we're in need of a reform, that we could do without this or that, or that we should institute this or that. And I think that's that's probably going to be your your answer to this question because I think I know the answer. But what is what is one of your greatest concerns when it comes to both safety in general as well as you know transportation safety and crime moving forward down the road? Yeah, it, it is absolutely uh, these policy changes that that I think that has to be. Um, it's got to be the number one thing uh, that that I'm worried about. It's got to be sub- substantial policy change without uh, the input from key stakeholders. Uh, and, and that really means, uh, uh, you know, not politicians, you know. Uh, there are plenty of people in this country that understand how criminal justice systems uh, should operate. They understand uh, policing and they understand what's effective and what's not effective. And they understand how it can all be done while treating people fairly. Um, so there absolutely can be both, but, uh, criminal coddling is, is not gonna, is, isn't gonna work for anybody. No, except there, there, there are bad people, <laughs> right. You know, there are bad people in the world and they, they have to be dealt with on, on some level. Right. We yeah, and doing away with, with no cash bail for is like gotta be the second stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, right on its face, it, it is, but, the, and then there's more to it. It's, you just took power away from, from judges. What do we, then what do we have judges for? I, you know, if we're not going to give them some level of discretion to decide, you know, what to do with a particular case or a particular person. So, so um, the, specifically with regard to public transportation, you know, people, we talked a little that, you know, some people are going to be apprehensive about that. You know, they're, especially if they're uncomfortable, maybe they're, they're from out of the area and now they're, they're having to rely on public transportation. Or it could be somebody that rides it every single day back and forth to work. What, what types of crimes are, are you seeing or have you seen being reported most often in that sector, in public transportation? Well, you know, just t- taking from my experience in, in, in a large city, um, one of the things that we see a lot on our on our rail system uh, is, is property crimes, and that, that's that's universal, uh, pretty much across across the country. Um, like somebody come know, up to you and saying, "Hey, I like that watch. Give it to me." Yeah, you know, we see a lot of uh, you know what we call pickpockets or bag openers. Uh, we see mm-hmm. a lot of you know quote unquote phone snatches, grabbing a cell phone or electronic, you know, valuable electronic right from somebody's hands. Well, what um, do they expect when they make these phones cost eight hundred bucks? <laughs> right, right. You know, like you blink and, and it's gone. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, one thing that that's particularly um, uh, of concern or, or kind of unique to maybe to the subway environment is thefts from sleeping thefts from sleeping passengers. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, it's not uncommon for for a New Yorker to work two or three jobs, right? I and mean, it's a late night or work hard, play hard, right? Maybe you've had a little too much to drink. You've you've enjoyed an evening out, and it's three or four o'clock in the morning, you're on, you're asleep on the train or you fall asleep on a bus. Um, you, you basically, you make a perfect victim and, and you fall asleep with your phone in your hand. We see that all the time. We also see a, a rather unique, uh, uh, crime related to sleeping passengers where, um, uh, offenders will, will cut open uh, a victim's pocket, right? You're, you're sitting on a, a train. If you can picture this, you got your cell phone inside your, your jeans or your, or, or your uh, shorts or whatever. You got your wallet in there, your credit card, uh, your stack of credit cards. And you can see that plainly when you're, when you're sitting and now you're asleep and, and somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, you okay? Hey man, you okay? 
And that's really just to, just to check you, right? If you wake up, then, hey, move on. Check to see if you're okay, right? You know? yeah. uh, and if you don't, you sound asleep. And, um, and I can cut across the top, of your, uh, the top of your pants, but basically the top of your cell phone with a razor blade and remove them without even having to, having to get them out wow. of, take, take them out of your pocket. So, um, so we see a lot, of, a lot of that type of crime. It's just a very unique uh, type of theft. Um, so Don't the, sleep or the, get boozed up and pass out on the subway or the train. Right, right, or right. The yep, buses, yep. right? <laughs> There's a reason that they, they, they call the criminals that specialize in that lush workers uh, from, from years ago. Uh, not too many people use the term lush anymore, but that's what it's rooted in is, uh, is people um, passed out after a few too many. Yeah, interesting. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, how that would affect uh, in, in general, again, somebody's quality of life, right? Uh, because there are quality of life crimes. You know, people think it, it could be a big problem. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, do you think people should be more concerned about these lower level crimes? I mean, I, I would think so. Um, and then how, how do you think that uh, that's going today? You know, is it better? Is it worse? What, what are your yeah. thoughts there, Paul? Now, it, it, taking the temperature of, of, um, of, of my local area, it's absolutely of top concern right now. Um, people are, are not as worried necessarily about being um, uh, robbed or, or, um, or seriously assaulted necessarily on a train as they are encountering an emotionally disturbed person, somebody in crisis who's acting up, who's mentally ill, uh, encountering uh, homeless uh, uh, individuals, um, taking up seats and stretched out on, on the trains and, and buses and, uh, and, and benches, platform benches and so forth. Uh, these are the things that everyday New Yorkers uh, feel. These are the things that impact their, their commute. And, and it's not in, unique to our city at all. Um, this is, you know, these lower level offenses, watching folks um, uh, evade the, the, the bus and subway fare, for example, while you're, you're there with your hard-earned money paying the fare. These are the things that, that, that folks uh, see and feel. And that's a big deal. Those are the perceptions of disorder. So those are the build. things. And they build, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because the more build. they happen, the more it gets. And it's like, man, I'm seeing this again. I'm seeing this again. I'm seeing this again, right? Day after day after yeah. day. And this is what we've seen decline across our country when, when you ask most folks. This is, what's, this is the, 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 the real deal that they're, that they're experiencing every day. So the, the perception of disorder is huge. And these are where the greatest strides have been made over the decades, is curbing these lower-level offenses, giving them the attention that they were due. You know, I'll, 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 I'll take you back, say, 30 years ago, you would never have seen in the subway system a poster, a wanted poster, seeking information about an individual who was wanted for um, exposing themselves in public, let's say, mm -hmm. right? It's a, in, in New York, like a lot of places, exposing yourself in public is one of the lower level crimes. It's not a serious felony crime. Uh, and it never would have been dedicated to the detective and never would have been investigated or followed up on. And therefore, someone was much less likely to even report it to begin with. They would have dismissed it. It was part and parcel of living in a big city. It was uh, part of your daily commute. And we right. got Just ourselves go, to, uh. <laughs> Yeah. And we've got ourselves to a point, we, we did get ourselves to a point where we were uh, investing a lot more in these lower level crimes and we're taking them seriously. We're following up on them. Uh, today, it, you will see a wanted poster for public lewdness or exposure, one of these lower level offenses um, and we will get the surveillance footage and the photo that maybe a victim or witness took and we'll put it out there to the world and try to apprehend the individual. So, so you technology's know, helping. Oh, big time. And, and just investment in the smaller things. So why would we say that these, why would we decriminalize these, these lesser offenses and make, make it okay to, to commit them on a subway system, the things that are, that are affecting real bus riders and subway riders right. across the country. Yeah, because it's not fair so, to them. So that's good. Not at all. If they see that you're trying to do something about it, that begins to instill that confidence back in them that, hey, if something's being done, and it, it takes some of that apprehension away, right? It makes them feel a little bit better. Absolutely. You, call, you could call it whatever you want, right? People, folks use the, term, use the term broken windows, you know, uh, uh, policing. And in many circles, it's gotten a bad rap. But 
you know, at the end of the day, what it really means is addressing uh, things when we see them, addressing disorder when we see it, and giving it the attention it deserves, rather than saying, well, that's not a high-level crime. That's not really a big deal. It is, in fact, what's inviting people to think that they can commit all manner of other crimes. It's inviting disorder and chaos. Yeah, because it's like, hey, I got away with this. Maybe I get away with that, right? And it it can escalate. Without a doubt. So you got to try to nip that before that happens. And this this has been proven. uh, We have proven this time and time again. So on the technology side, I kind of mentioned that. Uh, What or how have you seen the really rapid advances in in technology and surveillance and things like that? Uh, How has that improved the the transit environment for both as the people that are trying to keep it safe as as well as the passengers? And what do you see happening in the future in terms of making that, uh, you know, safer for people? Yeah, this, these are where some of our greatest advancements have been made. And if it wasn't for significant policy changes, um, technology today is exactly what would, would prevent us from really ever going back to, uh, say, the late 80s or early 90s. You know, people say, oh, this'll, this or that will take us back to those times when we we're experiencing a, a serious crack ep- epidemic and um, and mismanagement at all levels of government and so forth, and, and just poor investment in criminal justice and policing, um, we're, we're unlikely to go back there if policies may remain robust and, and technology advances the way it does. It's what it's allowing us to keep ahead of, uh, of, the, of the curve, kind of. It's, it's keeping us in the game. Um, you know, for, for better or worse, any street that you drive down uh, now, at some point, somewhere in most urban environments, you're going to cross license plate readers. Um, you're you're going to cross countless, countless camera cameras that that can be reviewed later on. Right, you're driving through. Um, you know, in, in, in the East Coast, we call it Easy Pass. Right, um, through commuter toll systems and so forth. So. There's a whole host of, of, of technology. Facial recognition is, is another thing. That if they're used prudently, uh, they benefit us substantially and they make it very, very difficult. They, they don't necessarily uh, prevent crime. Um, that's, that's debatable depending on which technology we're talking about. At the very least, they make it a little bit easier, easier for us to hold somebody accountable for that crime. And it's a deterrent too, because if somebody thinks they could be on camera, they're going to think twice about, you know, you know, going in and trying and committing a crime because they're like, well, geez, there's a camera right here. I better not do what I was going to do. It, so, it yeah, does. It's incredible. Yeah, it does. Although it never ceases to amaze me how, how stupid some folks are and just yeah. do, do it and find themselves on video. And, yeah. And in a real good camera angle too. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, there's yeah. no doubt like who you are. Because <laughs> uh, I, I know even with, you know, a lot of people wearing, you know, the face masks now and in some form, the facial recognition technology doesn't need even the whole face. It can do it just from, you know, the top part of your face. So the technologies are getting better and better. So, you know, some people may think, oh, okay, I'm going to have a gator. I'm going to pull it up over my mouth and nose and nobody's going to know it's me. Well, (laughs) think again, but you may be finding yourself being identified faster than than you think. And so, um, you know, technology can help us in so many different ways. Uh, but what about, do you have some specifics that you could recommend to listeners that are, you know, what are, you know, some tips, some tricks that maybe can help them, you know, because technology is there, but it can't help them. What can they do to help themselves be a safer rider and user of, of uh, public transportation? Well, you know, yeah, for, for certain. So when it comes to, to being in the public transit sector, um, you know, the, the things I tell my friends and family, uh, one of them, you know, and some of them seem obvious, but, um, but they're not so much. One of them is know your location. So when, when you're in a car and you have to navigate uh, around, although GPS has spoiled us in many, many, many respects, but when you have to navigate around, you tend to be a little bit more aware of, your, of where you are at any given point in time. But when you're riding a, a railway or you're riding a subway or a bus, you have the I mean, it's, it's one of the luxuries of not having to worry about, uh, about 
driving and having to get there necessarily. You can relax a little bit. You can book, you work on your laptop. Somebody else is doing yeah. driving, right? Yep. And, and that's great. But the, the only problem is, and we see this a lot, and, I, and this is the reason I, I recommend it uh, as, as kind of like a top tip is um, when people do need help, they don't know exactly where they are. They don't know what station they're, they're next due to come into. They don't know what intersection they're near on a, on a city bus. So uh, knowing your location to whatever extent you can be a little bit more aware of exactly where you are can benefit you tremendously in, in the off chance that uh, the stuff hits the fan, so to speak. Um, and then no, that's a great in, tip. In trouble. Because I'm sure um, a lot of people, myself included, you know, you're, you're on the bus, maybe you're reading a book, maybe you're writing something down, whatever you happen to be doing, you have no idea what streets are going by. And now something happens and you got to call somebody for help. It's like, where are you? Uh, and we I don't get know. That there's yeah. a gas station over here. There's a mini mart. Well, what street are you at? I don't know. It's, yeah. and that's, that's what that's we get all the time. Seconds count, right? I mean, as yep. a police officer, you know that. You can't get to somebody. That's bad. You know, yeah. at least if you know where they are, you can direct other resources that might be closer to them or whatnot. If you don't know, now it becomes, now you have to turn into detective mode, right? It's like, okay, where are you? What is it? What looks exactly what buildings it. are around you? Get people that's exactly come out of town it. to try to describe some of the buildings, right? Yeah. There's lots of glass. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's, like I say, it seems obvious, but to the extent that you can do that, all the better. The other, the other we touched on before, and that really is, and again, this is easier said than done. I totally get it. And you also want to, uh, on public transportation, you want to exercise one of those luxuries, and that is go to sleep, right? Stay awake. Um, that, that's that, Listen, you're allowed to sleep. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that if you're asleep on a bus or a train, you are substantially more likely to be a victim of one of any number of crimes. And that, that includes um, um, sexual, certain types of sexual assaults as well. We see that with sleeping passengers too. So staying awake re- does reduce your risk. There's no doubt about that. Um, somebody steals I'll, your wallet now you got to worry about identity theft you got to worry about yeah. losing money you know you, know, you lost your cell phone now all of a sudden somebody stole that. You can't even call somebody for help because you don't have a phone. Now somebody next yep. to you most likely does, but still, it uh, it definitely compounds the problem. Yeah, I, I'll I'll add to the list um, a, a level of uh, strength in numbers, and that can be difficult to do too. I mean, I, you know, I'm a big advocate for, especially when it comes to uh, college kids and high school kids and so forth. Don't ride tr- public transportation alone if you, if you can help it, especially late at night or very very early in the morning. Now I understand when it comes to, especially when it comes to public transport, um, many of us, you know, commute, you know, we're, we're basically alone. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefit in, in kind of developing a, a buddy, somebody who's like-minded, who, who, you know, is unlikely to do you much harm that maybe takes the same pathway that you do every day. It's always at the bus stop or kind of always on the same train as you, um, giving that person a good morning here and there, uh, even if you don't want to be their best friend, uh, and, and even if they're not interested in that, um, it really can really benefit you when you're experiencing a problem, when somebody's giving you a hard time. That's somebody that's more likely to, to help and intervene on your behalf. And you're never truly alone either when you're on a bus or a train. There's also a driver and or a, a train crew. So situating yourself near them, it, I'll, I'll add to that uh, kind of that don't ride alone buddy system uh, tip. Um, if you could situate your situate yourself in, say, a conductor's car on board a train or a little closer to the driver, you may find some benefit in, in that when it comes to safety. No, I think that's a great tip. You know, both of those, you know, situate yourself towards the person who's, who's in control of the of whatever it is that you're riding on. But, um, yeah, having a buddy, you know, say, you know, get to know somebody. Like you say, you don't got to be their best friend, but, you know, get to know them. You see them riding the same train with you day in and day out. Maybe you see two different people, right? Maybe you see the same person, you know, as you're going to work. And then there's a different person you always see when you're leaving work, right? Just because of the times and who it is. And, you know, talk to them a little bit. Say, hey, you know, how's it going? You know, here we go again, whatever. You know, strike up a conversation with them, get to know them a little bit. And then you can even have that discussion if you want, right? It's like, hey, man, if I ever see somebody trying to pick your pocket, I'll let you know. You know, you offer that assistance first. And then it'll be like, oh, man, thank you. You know, I'll definitely do the same for you, right? It's so much easier for someone who's going to step up for you when when somebody's giving you a hard time or or if, if, you know, somebody uh, feels as though they're being followed. It's somebody that you can can, um, then feel a little bit more uh, like you can approach them. yeah, so absolutely. That, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I'll add to the list. Um, 
uh, find my iPhone and, and make sure that, that it's activated. You know, we, I see that a lot too from personal experience. We, we go to help somebody out and we, and this, this other, don't get me wrong, there's other technology out there. And I, I just happen to be familiar with, with my trusty iPhone. But um, for those that are using other devices, there are similar, uh, similar uh, features and, and apps that, that can achieve this as well. Um, you use that technology and make sure you have these things activated. Um, I, I can't help you find where the perpetrator took your phone is if you never had your Find My iPhone um, feature activated. So, and I'll uh, add that, to that, that I'll add to that, Paul, that you can also turn this into a personal safety device. Absolutely. So that phone can be, you, there's a whole host of apps that you can download that can be put on there. And some of them are on my safetytalkproducts.com page that you can put on the phone and it's going to give you the ability to turn the thing into, you know, a, a, an alarm, right? Yep. Or the type of thing where you you hit a, a button or if you're in an unsafe situation, you can just be a, a finger touch away from hitting it and it's going to activate the cameras. It's going to start recording sound. So if there is a problem, the camera and the phone becomes uh, basically a witness, you know, Absolutely. for you. So and keeping, lots of keeping track of you, the friend, friends and trusted friends and family can, can see where you are maybe if you're going out for jog yep. something like that whatever so absolutely there's great um technology partners that 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 we have that have some uh, phenomenal products out there so let's talk about the pursuit alert because uh you know we're, we're flying through our hour here and i haven't really touched much on that i want to so as as i said in the, in the beginning uh you are a representative for this company here in the northeast region uh, and it's a real-time public safety alert technology. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? I'm going to pull the website up for those of us watching uh, yeah, absolutely. on YouTube um, and they can take a look at it. Right. It's, it, it's, it, it's, the company's truly grounded in, in, in simply saving lives. Um, the company's founder, Tim Morgan, um, uh, down in South Carolina, uh, was, a, uh, was, was an uh, under-sheriff. And in his jurisdiction, he experienced a, a, a tragic pursuit. Where, where a young man lost his life and it touched him personally to, to the extent that uh, he knew he wanted to do something to make uh, high-speed police chases safer for, for the public. And uh, he, he did just that pursuit alert and, and, and the product, our, our digital siren product, uh, really takes, um, takes alerting and, and puts it into, into your hands and, and not just police pursuits, but um, emergency alerts as well when when police officers and other emergency vehicles activate their uh, uh, activate the feature in their car as they're responding to an emergency you can get an alert on your phone and we all know we're, we're not too uh, our phone is never out of reach really right mm -hmm. um, and, and increasingly too we're driving around in cars that are that are very buttoned up they're they're very high quality with with sound reduction and we also have, you know, very good audio systems, right? And people are playing their radios and, and everything else. It, it is not until a police car or, or an ambulance is right on top of us that we even understand that it's coming. Uh, right. So what this, what this technology does, and it's a free to the public app. Um, anybody can download it right now and, and, and get the alerts, but it's only as good as your local police or emergency uh, public safety agency having the technology installed in their vehicles. And so we're getting more and more uh, law enforcement agencies and others around the country who are uh, investing in their communities and making this investment to install it in their vehicles and use it accordingly. Um, it's saving officer lives as well um, and, 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 and highway worker lives because we have a move over feature as well. So um, when a police officer stopped on the side of the road, every, every state in, in, in the United States now has a move over law. Um, so uh, as you're approaching in your vehicle, you can get a uh, you can get an alert on your app that that simply tells you that if if it's safe to do so, uh, move over or slow down because there's a, an emergency vehicle or public safety vehicle inside the roadway. So um, you know there, there's three people a day killed or seriously injured as a result of high speed police chases in in our country. Um, Forty two percent of those killed or injured are are innocent bystanders that simply have nothing to do with the pursuit at all. Um, so we believe that prudent, uh, prudent policy uh, combined with technology like this are, are what, what is ultimately going to 
going to save more, more lives in this country. You know, we, I love it. I love it. I love the little animation you have on the website here where, you know, somebody's getting an alert in their car that there's a police chase. Boom. They pull over. Bad guy goes by, the police cars go by and they go on their merry way. So I'm assuming and, it uses GPS technology to, you know, yeah. as long as the person has GPS on their phone enabled yep. and yeah. they're somewhere where to have. So as long as they have that app on the phone, and there's something right. going on. So essentially the, the two pieces of it are if you want to be alerted from, I'm assuming like an ambulance, fire truck, police car, I'm assuming, you know, kind of all three types of emergency vehicles are going to be able to use that uh, technology. They need that on their phone, obviously. So first of all, you guys go to Pursuit Alert and get it or do your, I guess the app store or uh, whichever sure. yeah. platform we're on, you're on. Yeah. It's we're from both Android and Mac and uh, the iPhone as well, I'm assuming. Correct. Awesome. And then, of course, right. the local jurisdiction has to use it. So, I mean, as long as they have it, it's going to work. If not, you still got to pay attention when you're driving. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we sell to. Um, we, we sell to the jurisdiction. We provide it free to the public. The public can, can access the app. The, the good news is it, it kind of sells itself um, because, uh, in particular, because it, it, uh, it helps improve the safety of law enforcement uh, officers and, and other emergency workers as, just as much as it does any other member of the public. It's an, it's an unsafe environment and, and pursuits are going to happen right now. We, we, sure. we do advocate for prudent policy. Um, you can't engage, you know, we, we believe that, that you shouldn't necessarily engage in a pursuit for any reason the, you know, officers exercise a great deal of discretion when they engage in this type of activity is very dangerous, right. but, um, but we also don't want to live in a world where we just have a policy that says, oh, yeah, we never we never try to apprehend anybody. If you just tell the police officer, if you just keep driving, they have to let you go. Like, that's not a world I want to live in. Um, <laughs> no. So, we're, we're, you know, so this is about public safety and that, and that goes both ways. So how do we make this environment safe? And we believe this, this technology is, is doing just that. Super cool. This is a technology I did not know about until, you know, we, we had you come on. So, I, you know, I think it's, it's very, very interesting. It's something, like you said, it's going to make both the people that are nearby are pursuit safer because it's going to let them get out of the way and, you know, let the, the problem go by. But, of course, it's making the police officers safer as well because they know that people aren't going to be in the way. They're not going to accidentally hit, you know, somebody who's not paying attention, you know. Uh, but because, you know, hey, let's face it, how many people do you see driving down the road? They're driving, they're texting, they're, you know, they're glancing up once in a while. We all know if somebody jams their brakes on in front of you, you're looking down for a second. By the time you look, oh, right, it's a lot of times it's too late. So, and if, and the same holds true if, you know, if you're not checking your mirror, right? You're not checking your six. What's going on back there? I'm not, I'm, I'm not paying attention. I'm playing with the radio. I'm skipping to the next CD. I'm finding a new channel on XM, whatever I'm doing, right? You got to be paying attention. And if it's blasting, like you said, you're not going to hear the sirens, you know, and now what do you got? Somebody coming up on, you you know, right up on you. They could be knocking you out of the way. If it's, you know, the, the pursuit, what happens if it's a big truck, you know, maybe drive right over you, you know? So it's uh, it's something where I can see uh, a great, uh, you know, way to, to fill uh, a need that maybe a lot of police departments don't even realize they, they need to have. Right. So, you know, you educate them about it and they probably all go, wow, this is a pretty cool technology. I want to use this. Right. Right. And that's that's what's led to to other improvements. I mean, once we once we you know rolled that out, the, the sky was the limit. You know, agencies came to us and said, you know, how would, would it be possible to alert drivers to maybe try to move over if they if they are approaching one of our vehicles? So, you know, we built out features like that and we have critical incident features as well. If you're within a, a particular radius of a, uh, say, an active shooter incident, uh, okay. the officers on scene could, could broadcast something to the surrounding app users' cell phones that say, hey, listen, be on alert. There's something going on right now. Uh, listen, you know, police are on scene of a, of a critical event. So, so if you're uh, in New you know, York walking down the street and there's something going on, yeah. you've got the app, you, you, you would know about it. So that's exactly. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So just say, hey, but just go Google, you know, look for it, Pursuit Alert. Right, the website pursuitalert.com. You can always do that, or you search for it on the on the App Store and Google Play. And uh, yeah, and geez, it doesn't cost you a dime yet. It can it can improve your personal safety. And hey, that's what we're all about here on Safety Talk. So, uh, you know, as 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 I said, Paul, we're gonna we're flying by here. So uh, we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, it goes quick. Uh, do you want to have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with the audience before uh, give them some of your info and 
wrap up. Listen, listen. I'll begin where, where you know, I'll, I'll end where uh, where I began. You know, I I, uh, I I thank you, and and I I really appreciate. You know, I'll I'll bend over backwards for um for for any community of people like your your viewers and listeners who are invested in their own personal safety and and that of other people. You know, these are conversations we need to have more and more. You know, we, we like to say in New York uh, a lot that that public safety and, um, and crime reduction really is a shared responsibility. Uh, it, Absolutely. It, it, takes, it takes all of us, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, to, to have a, a community of folks that, that are like-minded and invested in that and tuning in, um, you know, please, you know, feel free to reach out at any time. I'm always happy to, to have that conversation. That's awesome. They can find you on LinkedIn, right? Just your name, Paul Gratton, G-R-A-T-T-A-N. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, you're New York Gratton, right? N-Y-A. N-Y. your last yeah, name, G-R-A-T-T-A-N, <laughs> and uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. They can find uh, Pursuit Alert on Facebook as well. So uh, if you guys want to, you know, want to connect, you can always do that. Look at Paul. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's out there keeping people safe every day and uh, has a lot of Really uh, good tips uh, that he shared with us today. Got this incredible app that uh, something, again, new technology. You know, we talked about it throughout the show a little bit. You know, technology can really help keep you safe. Here's a very specific example of it. And uh, I'll definitely be putting a link up on this on the Safety Talk product site as well for you. So very good. Appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Thanks to all our listeners to, uh, for tuning in to Safety Talk. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the show. And you can always get the latest safety episodes uh, by looking for us on your favorite podcast network or by heading over to safetytalkpodcast.com. So until next time, everybody, please stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.